Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, bleached and mounted bones of contention. Nick brings the case against his wife, Sarah. He has an interest in the macabre and is interested in using taxidermied animals and skeletons to decorate their home. Sarah is not a fan of this aesthetic. Should Nick be allowed his decorating choices? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. dudes what's going on sorry are we doing this oh jesse swear him in please rise and raise your right hands do you swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you god or whatever i I do i do do you swear to abide by judge john hodgman's ruling despite the fact that his home is decorated not only with the skeleton of a ferret but also with the bones of his vanquished enemies (laughs) (laughs) i do i do too very well judge hodgman Thank you, Nick. Sarah, you may be seated. Uh, for an immediate summary judgment, can either of you name the incredibly groovy track that I was listening to instead <laughs> of paying attention to what was going on in this courtroom? I'll give you a hint. It is a song that is exactly 24 hours long. <laughs> I have no idea. I Me mean neither, unfortunately. And the excerpt that you heard is from the first hour. Does that... <laughs> <laughs> that is the song... Seven Skies H3 by the Flaming Lips. Ah. It was released on Halloween of 2011. Okay. After, after the success of a six-hour-long song that they had released <laughs> earlier that fall. What characterizes this song is not only that it was 24 hours long, but you, uh, it was for sale only. <laughs> Uh, I believe, as a thumb drive that had been inserted into a human skull. Oh, my. The, um, entire, <laughs> right. the entire package of which you could buy for $5,000. I don't know if they – I don't know. You can now download it on the internet for $0 and a lot, a lot of hard drive space. But you could buy it for $5,000 in an actual human skull um, that was sourced uh- – from my first and only stop for shopping for Skulls and Bones, Skulls Unlimited in Oklahoma City, <laughs> which is Oklahoma City is where Wayne Coyne uh, yeah. lives. And he and, and he and Skulls Unlimited did, did up this deal together, is my understanding, at least, <laughs> from the Internet. And it seemed only apt to share that song with you and give you a chance to uh, resolve this <laughs> in an, an immediate 24-hour-long summary judgment. But you both failed. So let's, get, let's yeah. get to the heart of the matter. Nick, you are a collector. I, an aspiring collector. It should, be, it should be made clear. I do not have a, a, a collection of any of this stuff just yet, no. Anyone who owns one thing is an aspiring collector. <laughs> a, a collection of trash and pumpkins and cats begins with just one, one of the, each of those things. But you, right. but you, you, uh, you gravitate toward what, uh, what you describe as the macabre 
which is to say yeah. you like skulls and dead things. I, I do. I do indeed. And uh, it's also it, it's 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 the macabre. It's also just like a matter of, of, of simple aesthetics. I, I like the way they look. Mm-hmm. So what is your collection? What do you have in your collection right now? I have nothing. This is that. That's the thing. Is this the, a you lot of nothing this, at all? No, this this aspiration hinges on on Sarah's, you know, acceptance of the whole idea. So. What, um, so, oh, I thought you I thought you had a small collection of animal skulls and taxidermy. You oh, have nothing no, no. at all. Nothing at all as, as of yet. This is an I, a, this is an aspirational affectation. This is <laughs> that's the thing is I don't I I do not consider this an affectation so much as a genuine interest. But it's it's you know being that I'm married and being that I live with someone whose you know aesthetics I have to consider. Um, I have to you know make sure that this is doable before I begin it. How long? Have you, how long? Have, excuse me, Sarah. How long have you been mm-hmm. married, sir? A uh, year and a half. A year and a half. All right. Now, and what do, what is it that you would like to start collecting? Just a quick thumbnail of, of what you want to collect. It would it would begin with with uh, animal skeletons um, and taxidermy, and then I've also expressed a, an interest, uh, a, a definite specific interest in getting a human skull somehow. Okay. And Sarah, you are opposed to uh, what part of this plan? All of it? Just some of it? All of it. Just really from. <laughs> Um, it should be noted that, uh, in our, in our front window, we live in an apartment complex Mm -hmm. and, uh, Nick currently insists on keeping a plastic (laughs) Halloween skull that he bought on the windowsill for the neighbors to see. Since this case hinges on esoteric collections, it seems only right, uh, that we should bring in perhaps one of the most, uh, accomplished uh, esoteric collectionists of all time, uh, Mr. John Roderick of the Long Winters, who we have as an expert witness on the line. Hello, John. Hello, Judge. Are you Hello. are you hearing me? Are you hearing me properly through through in your room of globes and uh, and magazines? I am. I am using some vintage headphones from my collection <laughs> of vintage headphones. <laughs> now, John, you just to establish your bona f- bona fides. You are not only uh, uh, a, a rock star, a uh, singer-songwriter, a long winter, also a podcaster with the On the Line, John Rod- uh, Roderick on the Line podcast, excuse me, but you are also a collector. Just describe some of the collections that you have in your home in Seattle. The aforementioned globes. I have a great number of globes. Globes are fine. I, well, I have a collection of uh, knives and poisons from around the world. Um. I have a collection of uh, uh, antique uh, usable firearms. I have a, I have a collection of, uh, of Japanese-made guitars. I have a collection of Stetson hats. The list goes on. You have oh can- candelabras. Candelabras, right. Uh, uh, brass candlesticks, uh, uh, Ray-Ban sunglasses, varnays. I have a collection of varnays. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you have a... You have a, a- a, uh, a an umbrella stand full of swords. Yes, right. Correct. So does my father. And <laughs> and uh, uh, but one thing I do not have what, is any taxidermied or dead things. It may be. It may be. That, it may be that John Roderick is your father, sir. That, that, that remains. <laughs> it's actually what we're here to discuss today. Apparently. Uh, but you have no taxidermy. You have no dead things. You have no, no I do have a pair of snowshoes that are made out of animal gut, but, but it doesn't read as taxidermy. It reads as snowshoes. And so when you hear a young man like this 
speak of an aspirational collection of weird objet, mm. does this fill your heart with gladness or does it fill your heart with suspicion that this guy is just trying to make himself interesting in some way? <laughs> well, it's a good question. I am, I am profoundly interested that he ran it by his new wife first. <laughs> like before just introducing like a squirrel skull or something into the house, he like, they talked about it first. I think that's very it does, interesting. It, it does suggest that he's not a psychopath. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was going to say there is a, a, there is another person I can think of off the top of my head who collected animal skeletons as an aspirational hobby. And that is Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was aspiring to be a collector of a different kind. Yeah, what it, like it's not he wanted a human skull in his house too. Indeed, yeah, <laughs> and he got what he wanted. <laughs> it's not yeah, it's not it's not as though Nick is coming home like saying, "Look at this, honey, I happen to find a kitten skull." <laughs> Doesn't that look good there? Maybe we should get more of these. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he dreamt he dreamt this all up in advance and is coming to her with the whole project. Like, what do you think? Right about this what if, what if i fill the house with dead animals and then a human skull maybe that makes him the most insidious villain <laughs> <laughs> well and this is also i've i've reached the point in my life where after being just like sort of very like itinerant and like you know kind of being all over the place like sure. i'm very this is the first point in my life where i'm very domestic you know i'm settled in this is what i'm doing now moving forward right because so something that's been on the back burner for quite some time now i have the opportunity to like make a reality yeah because before you were before you were itinerant, you were moving around from town to town. You had no, you had no place to store your human skulls. You had to leave them behind. Now you have a chance. Uh, Sarah, let me ask you, uh, this seems maybe less about uh, your aesthetic desire not to have like rodent skulls in your house and maybe more about realizing the kind of monster you married a little too late. <laughs> That's, that's, I feel like that's a case for another day. But with this, I think it's important to understand that um, I, I grew up in a more rural setting than Nick. I've had cats my entire life up until I moved in with Nick, actually bringing in dead animals into my house. Um, so I've already lived in a house with dead animals. <laughs> Turning the corner, you never know what you're going to find. And this is something that's terrorized me my entire life. Animals that may or may not be dead just in your path as you walk to the kitchen for coffee in the morning. Well, yes, but uh, in, in Nick's defense, he is not talking about bringing in some mutilated voles and leaving them. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, is the thing the, the, the I was discussing this with my parents last night, the mutilated ones aren't scary because you know, for sure they're dead. As opposed to, as opposed to a bleached and mounted articulated animal skeleton. You think that might not be dead? That it would be a, uh, it would be reminiscent. It's a slippery slope, is what it is. And then all of a sudden, there's the taxidermy, and then I come home one night, and there is a skull of some poor person just in my house for decoration. Nick, w w reminding you that you are under internet oath. Indeed. Will you will you just answer this question just so that we can move forward? Are you a devious psychopath killer? No. <laughs> <laughs> Only a psychopath would be able to pass that test. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any intention of killing a rat and leaving it on your wife's pillow? <laughs> um, not as of yet, no. <laughs> so you need to, like, because there is an issue here that is greater than, than, than the aesthetics of 
what I consider to be often beautifully articulated uh, animal skeletons. As Jesse mentioned, I have a an articulated ferret skeleton from Skulls Unlimited itself um, that is a, a prized possession in my home. And I certainly know have known people who have collected taxidermy and they've been drawn to it. And while it's not my thing, it's clearly an expression of who they are in some way. But now, Nick, what is your age? 31. 31. And you are just now coming to this uh, desire for skulls and dead things in your life. And I need to uh, evaluate whether or not um, this is a true calling or whether you uh, uh, are, whether you should be allowed to start a collection like this. Because at this point, it seems kind of arbitrary and weird, like you just want to make yourself interesting and freak your wife out. I included in the evidence packet uh, pictures of both my sister's and my parents' house, um, which both contain like numerous animal skulls. Oh, okay. And that's uh, that's an illustration of the fact that going back as far as I can remember, ever since I was little, every vacation that I ever took with my you know parents, anytime we were by the shore, anytime we were in the woods, uh, one of the, our main activities, my dad and I, would be just wandering around and trying to find skulls and bones, which we would then bleach and you know right. store somewhere. Well, that's this is something that he also that he also did with my sister. It's something that he now does with, uh, with my nephew. So it's been, it's been a presence in the life of my family and we're all city people. Um, but it's been a presence in the life of my family as long as I can remember. And, and you, I presume grew up in San Francisco in the black house owned by Anton LaVey. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, uh, what center to, city, Philadelphia, center city, Philadelphia. So you found, sure. You found a lot of skulls around there. John Roderick, <laughs> you did not, you did not receive this evidence. So for you and the internet uh, podcast listening audience, I will describe these photos. I guess this is from your parents' home. My parents, and then there's some from my sisters as okay. well. So there's a there seems to be a, a skull on a on a windowsill here next to a uh, a little Hummel figurine of a perky dog. Do you know what that? <laughs> I think that's my sister's house, and I'm, I mm-hmm. think that might be. I think that might be a. a is it a rabbit skull? It's hard for me to tell from the scale. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I'm I'm uncertain. And then there's a skull. There's a skull here on uh, on a table, like on a on a wooden chopping block, or or like a wooden table of some kind. It looks like it's probably a cow skull. Yeah, that's either a cow or a deer. Cow or a deer skull. Certainly, it was a a behorned animal. Right. (laughs) So I didn't appreciate. So and then there's a curio cabinet, which I think is fantastic. That's my that's my dad's. That's your dad's. So this the the fact that there is a family continuity element to this actually makes this court think very differently about your aspiration. Um, right. To get a sense, though, of exactly how serious you are, can you name the animals from which these skulls came that are in this cabinet? I don't I don't have the image in front of me. I know that there's definitely a, a tortoise skull. Correct. Um, which was not an actual find. I think he I think that was purchased. Um, I think is there there's a pe- is there a pelican skull in there? Like there's something with a long beak? Yeah, but that's too long yeah. for oh for a pelican. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Yep. Yeah. Um and I can't offhand I can't recall what else is in there. It's two it's two two out of three full skulls or half skulls, okay. I should say. And then there's one <laughs> there's one intensely creepy uh, uh betoothed jawbone. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact that you got tortoise skull—that's the one that I think is the is the is the prize of the collection, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's pretty. That's pretty nifty. Yeah, because probably, and you know, what's sad is that tortoise was probably two hundred years old when your father killed right. it with his own hands, <laughs> with his bare hands. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a shame. Uh, and and so Sarah, uh, you've seen mm-hmm. these photographs and you've been to his house. Does this stuff? Yeah. L- let me let me try to separate the issues here. 
Because on the one hand, there's the issue of animal skeletons, then there's the issue of taxidermy, and then there's the issue of human skull. On right. a scale of 1 to 10, uh, with 10 being um, utter, utter skeeved out, terrible, never in my houseness, and mm-hmm. one being, get me that skull. <laughs> <laughs> that is dark. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's separate them out. So collection of animal, uh, skeletons and skulls, one to 10. Four. Four. Uh, taxidermy. Seven. Seven to eight. Rogue taxidermy. (laughs) (laughs) Nine. Do you know what I'm talking about when I talk about rogue taxidermy? That's that famous Raymond Carver story. No. I, I should know that, but I don't. Rogue taxidermy is when a taxidermist um, d- uh, combines two different animals to make one new animal. Uh, okay. or one yeah, that's, that's, that's a nine. That's for sure. Like if that's a, I think that even freaks me out. So if you got if you if you if you stuff, are you familiar with this, John Roderick? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any <laughs> rogue no. taxidermy? No, like a, I, but, but, you know, I grew up in Alaska, so I have seen many, many terrible, terrible things <laughs> in the taxidermy family. What was the worst thing that you ever saw? Oh, I mean, boy. It doesn't, it doesn't have uh, to be a, like a, a, like a, a rogue chimerical taxidermo, like a bear with, that's had its arms removed and replaced with stuffed pythons. <laughs> it could just be bad taxidermy. No, I mean, the, the, the worst thing I've ever seen is, is, an, a, a very old taxidermied baby bear, oh, yeah, which was taxidermied a long time ago inexpertly and then was flea bitten and eaten by like just, it, just eaten by vermin until this baby bear became like you could see the underlying armature of the taxidermy. Uh, material mm-hmm. and it was just oh, it was, it's it was just a terrible thing like it's i can't get it out of my head you can't un- <laughs> you can't unsee a stuffed baby bear Ugh. there's nothing more disgusting than stuffed bears <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you judge hodgman that two max fun listeners guy and mary beth were kind slash cruel enough to send max fun world headquarters when we moved in here a few months ago um to Taxidermied, I guess I would say, nightmare gerbils. <laughs> <laughs> like some kind of thing that burrows in a hole, but they're with their teeth out and weirdly torqued like a swimsuit model. <laughs> I think those are pronounced gerbils. Um, I don't, <laughs> because I thought you were talking about a stuffed Nazi war criminal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I guess what I'm saying is that's a collection for John Roderick stuffed Nazi war criminals, right? John? <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, I do have a small collection of those. <laughs> I couldn't afford any of the big names, but I, you know, I have a couple of like Polish guards. I would say, oh, I would say that even a normal beast inexpertly mounted can become quite terrifying. And I say this as someone with taxidermied creatures in my own home. All right. So we have, we have uh, animal skulls on the skeeve meter four, taxidermy mm-hmm. seven, rogue taxidermy, surprisingly not 10, but nine, <laughs> and human skull. I have to leave room for the human skull, which is very obviously a 10. You have a flair for the dramatic, madam. 
human skull utter and what is your what what i mean before we talk about nick's sick desire for a human skull what is your total what is your totally reasonable objection i mean i think it, it, it i mean i don't even know if it's worth obviously i have an ethical concern here Please speak to um, these things. Don't don't presume that this court is not monstrous. <laughs> well, I, I I like to think of it in context. M- my mother has always talked about how she she doesn't want to be buried. Just you know, uh, donate her body to science. And I can't really come to terms with the fact that one day, like hopefully a very long time from now, my wonderful loving mother's skull will be on some dude's desk. <laughs> You know, for uh, for decoration. So I, you know, if I wouldn't want it for my own mother, I can't I can't see how it would be ethical for someone else's loved one to uh, have their remains used as decoration. What provisions would you take, sir, if I rule in your favor, Nick, to be sure that the skull that you obtain is not the skull of your mother-in-law? I haven't I have to admit that I haven't been able to figure that out 100 percent just yet because they're. The reputable websites um, that do establish the provenance and, and that, you know, they do come from cadavers and from, from those are those you have to prove uh, a medical affiliation to, to buy any like human remains from. So I would need to. You're talking I, about a black market skull is what you're going to end up with. You're talking about <laughs> reputable human skull dealers. Let's black, just uh, <laughs> I think, I think, think about that. There is. <laughs> Well, wait a minute. There are such things. Skulls Unlimited is, is, Skulls is, Unlimited a, rep- is a reputable – in fact, since the issue is how do you provenance a human skull so you make sure you don't get one of those blood diamond skulls you hear about, <laughs> maybe it's time for another expert witness. Let's see if we can get Jay from Skulls Unlimited on the phone. Thank you for calling Skulls Unlimited International, the world's leading supplier of osteological specimens. If you know your party's three-digit extension, dial it now or listen to the following options. If you wish to place an order, press 2 now. Hello, this is Jay. Oh, hi, Jay. This is Judge John Hodgman calling. How are you? I'm wonderful, sir. How are you? Good, thank you. You, you, you may not recall, but I presume your son, Jay Jr., helped me with an articulated ferret skeleton uh, in the spring of 2011, and it is a beautiful piece of work, may I say. Wonderful. I'm glad you're happy. Well, you're on the line right now on an internet podcast with, uh, with me, uh, my bailiff, Jesse Thorne. Hello. Uh, my, Hello. Uh, my expert witness, uh, the esteemed songwriter and collector, John Roderick. And then the two disputants in the case that we're hearing right now, Nick and Sarah. They're a married couple, and Nick would like to start collecting animal skulls and skeletons, and also, at some point, he would like to add to his collection a human skull. And the question... That's always a good thing. That's always a good thing. Well, I guess we've settled it then. (laughs) (laughs) Jay Jay from Skulls Unlimited has weighed in. It is 100% of the time good (laughs) to have a human skull. I mean, if one... Now, sir, if I understand correctly your story... Uh, you uh, you worked in auto body repair and then segued into uh, the collecting and selling of skeletal well, osteological specimens, as you say. Is that correct? Yes, I uh, started collecting bones when I was a child when I found a dog skull in the woods. But I graduated high school as an auto body tech technician mm-hmm. and slowly made the change over. When I couldn't make a living as a auto body technician, I made the change into selling skulls. Now, when you, when you started professionally selling skulls, 
Were you 31 years old and married about a year and a half? Because that's Nick's situation. I was 21 years old and married for about a, about four years. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Fantastic. So um, uh, what, uh, what sort of skulls did you start out uh, uh, dealing in? Uh, mainly things like beavers, coyotes, raccoons, bobcats, skunks, just the normal fur bears, the things you find dead on the road. Mm-hmm. I presume those were easiest to find and, and, uh, and provenance. Exactly. Right. But now a human skull, though, is a little bit different. And this is one of the issues. Sarah has said that she will not allow a human skull in her home at any time because she cannot imagine what it would be like to have basically someone's mother on your desk. And she's concerned that someone is going to steal her own mother's skull and put it into a curio, <laughs> put it into a curio cabinet. I think she may be concerned that it's her husband who's going to do it. You, That's always possible. <laughs> you, based on your website, you, you, you deal in two different kinds of human, we'll just say skulls for now, because I know you also do skeletons. Yes. Um, research grade skulls and, and then other. Can you describe what the difference is, please? Yeah, other is uh, just skulls that we obtain through legal sources. For instance, uh, India, Asia, uh, China, they all used to export skulls. They all stopped. So now what we deal in is recycled material. It's like you may call us and you have one for medical school that you wish to sell us. That's all that type of material falls into the other. Now, we also have a service where we prepare from cadavers, from human body donor programs, where you may die, donate your body to science, and your head will come to us for be, to be cleaned. I see. So why was India and China selling human skulls? It's just a way for just, just another commodity. But and who was buying, for the most part? When what period of time are we talking about for these for these uh, non research grade skulls? These sort of, I guess, heir, heirloom heirloom skulls. Yes, India. <laughs> India stopped the exportation in 1986. Mm-hmm. China stopped the exportation in 2008. And was the market primarily primarily medical research and, and medical schools? Or it what? is, yes, right. And no, it's it- by far it's mainly the medical, the scientific community. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so currently the only way to obtain a human skull for research purposes would be if someone had willed their body to medical experimentation or, or scientific research. Is that correct? For lack of better uh, terms, yes, yes. It's when people die, they donate their bodies to science. Their bodies come in, and from there, they're, depending on the program, they're dismembered, and body parts are go to different programs throughout the country. And so you actually prepare a, a new contemporary skulls and skeletons for sale to research institutions? We do, yes, okay. hundreds upon hundreds. Well, you didn't. You didn't have to add that. <laughs> <laughs> See so much of it that you uh, you just get numb to it because you know what? they come to us as a frozen cadaver. I see. And what? And what? And and but you also have an incredibly wide array of skeletons uh, from from animals, non-human animals. From animals, yes, yes, exactly. And what what is the prize of your non-human collection? Well, we have developed the Museum of Osteology here in Oklahoma City. It's a museum that has over 350 skeletons on display. Mm-hmm. Anything from our largest is a 40-foot humpback whale wow. down to uh, humming, hummingbirds. Anything, in, anything you can imagine we have on, on display here. And can you – uh, please go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, no, that that is my private collection. That is now a nonprofit. So, uh, when you said what's my specimen, so yes, that and, would that that would be the case. And may I presume you found that humpback whale on the side of the road that had been hit by a car? <laughs> we found that on the side of the beach. Uh huh. Um, so, uh, can you explain for Sarah, who at this mm-hmm. point I asked her to rate her comfort level? With, with a collection of, of osteological specimens, and with, with 10 being most grossed out and, and, and not okay with her, and one being, I want it right away. Uh, and she said a collection of animal skeletons would be at about four. Uh, can you explain to her what the charm and pleasure that you take in a collection of animal skeletons is? Well, me personally, as a collector, when I got a new specimen for the collection, it wasn't just another specimen on the shelf. It was an opportunity to learn about the species itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would get a new beaver, and I would learn everything I could about beavers. I got a skunk, I'd learn about skunks. So needless to say, I'm full of a lot of worthless information. (laughs) (laughs) And do you have – sorry, go ahead, please. No, it was more than just another specimen. It was, it was definitely about the science behind it. With regard to, do you have human skulls in your personal collection? Oh, of course, yes. Do you have concerns about non-research professionals collecting human skulls? Depending on the source of those human skulls, no, I don't. But now, if somebody's going around digging up grandma, then of course I have a problem with that. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I had read that you had a deal with uh, the local band Flaming Lips to produce a, a skull to go along with a, a long track that they had recorded. Is that true, or was Wayne yeah. Coyne just talking at the mouth? Nope, that's, that, that is true. Wayne purchased uh, a good many skulls from us for that program. And let me ask you this. Uh, Nick is 31 years old. Uh, he and Sarah are a young married couple. They're not uh, crazy art rock stars with all the money in the world. They just told us that they live in a house full of wooden antiques. How much does a uh, and now uh, uh, how much does a human skull cost? Depending on the quality, they could go for as little as six to eight hundred dollars. But an average standard price is closer to the two thousand dollar mark. And you will only sell to uh, Nick. Your what is your job? Uh, right now, I'm a, I work at a restaurant. So not that's not medical you would, research? You, you would not qualify for the medical research quality specimens, right. the ones that right. come from donors. Right. So he would have to buy but, an heirloom skull that had been grandfathered in. Exactly. All right. Yeah. And, the, and so an average heirloom skull would, will, will cost Nick, out of his tips at the restaurant, about? Depending, again, on the quality for a really nice one, about $1,600. Sixteen hundred dollars. Okay, and then and those as, are hard to find. Those don't come around very often. No, well, I mean they're they are they they're not making them anymore. No, <laughs> we, we hope <laughs> at least not in the same way. And you also just as a, as a point of issue, uh, I presume you would take efforts to make sure that these are not remains of any Native Americans, because I believe there's some federal restrictions on that as well. Yes. Yes, there is the Native Native American Repatriation Act, and uh, we don't take part of any of that. We don't. I can't remember the last time we were even offered a Native American skull, but no, those we don't even touch. No, I can, but I can imagine a time several generations ago in a darker period where collecting Native American remains might have been a weird kind of trophy sort of thing. 
Well, there's a lot of times back in the day, in the 50s, let's just say, uh, when people would find the native remains, they would, they would just be collected and taken into the local classroom. Oh, I see. They were, they were just, they were just another, another form of a human skull to put in the classroom. So my final question, if, if I were to rule in Nick's favor and allow him to proceed with his collection, obviously a human skull is kind of a separate issue and it can only be sourced from a responsible uh, dealer like yourself. Um, but in terms of uh, collecting animal skulls, you began by collecting what you found in nature. Um, what would be your recommendation to a young collector just starting out like Nick? Should he go and search nature or should he just go to your website and get everything he wants in one stop? Well, both. Uh, <laughs> from a financial standpoint, I would recommend he just come to our shop and buy what he needs. But from an entertainment standpoint, it's always fun to go and find and collect your own material. And uh, and if and if you were gonna go to your if you were gonna go to your shop, do you have like a starter kit for collectors? <laughs> we well, we do have some like some five piece sets that are damaged and they're like reduced at ninety nine dollars and things. So yes, we do have bags of skulls as we call them. And the, uh, all right, so do, do me <laughs> uh, skull grab bags. I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Bag of puppy skulls is even better though. Uh, <laughs> as the dog sits on my lap. <laughs> Do, uh, Jay, I'm sorry. I said, as the dog rests peacefully on my lap, I like that. That's how that comes up. Yes, exactly. And and may he continue to rest in peace. Jay, uh, would you do me a favor and take one of those skull grab bags, those ninety nine dollar bags, and set one aside for me? Because if I rule in 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 Nick's favor, I'm going to want to purchase it and send it to him as a gift. I will be happy to. Thank you very much for your time, John Roderick. Do you have any questions for Jay? Uh, I'm just I'm just wondering how long it's going to be before I order an heirloom skull. <laughs> well, we have them on our website currently, so we don't have that many in the heirloom sense, but we do have uh, a handful. And that's skullsunlimited.com, is that correct? Yes, skullsunlimited.com. And uh, I can tell you, you, you would do. You guys really saved me because when I wanted a ferret skeleton, I first turned to Twitter, and and everyone. <laughs> tried to make it into a terrible pun um, and was no help at all. But you guys came through and got me that ferret skeleton and it is one of my prized, Wonderful. my prized so things. I'm glad to life. hear. I'm glad we pleased you. Thank you very much, Jay. And I'll, I'll let you get on. I know you're in central time, so I'll let you get on with your evening. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you for calling guys. You take Thank care. you. Nice to talk to you. Bye-bye. Um, I think we're all speechless. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's it's also it, this concept of an heirloom skull. I think it's important to note, Judge, here that um, I recently applied to graduate school uh, to study political science and to study, you know, kind of specifically post-colonialism. So it's almost extra horrifying to have a skull in my home from I, just Some, I, someone somewhere. in India, somebody yeah, in India who just died on a train and. It's yeah. still someone's grandma. <laughs> I think that might embarrass me in front of my uh, my 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 hopefully potential friends. <laughs> oh yeah, that skull's just from India. It's fine anyway. Do you, uh, so all right now. It now comes down to you, Nick. I think. Yes. I think Sarah. I think we have all the facts. Probably more than we needed. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sarah has made her position numerically clear. <laughs> on all three of your proposed collections, entwined but separate collections. Right. And it now falls to you to make the best case possible uh, 
for each. And I and I and I urge you to keep this as succinct and persuasive as possible. First, Sarah, my darling wife, I would like to keep a collection of animal bones because go. Um, well, because uh, I certainly find them aesthetically appealing. Um, that's, that's a huge part of it. There is, uh, the sort of like a sentimental thing because of my family and like, you know, as silly as that might sound, there's, there's definitely like an association with my dad about this stuff. And then, um, you know, just the idea, the, the, the sort of like physiological component, it's very interesting to me. Um, I don't know a lot about that, but I'm, I'm but I'm very interested in it. And then there's like sort of a, a silly philosophical component too. the idea of, uh, you know, an inanimate object that once contained life, I think is like sort of a, a springboard for some, some serious thought. And I, I think that having something around the house that, you know, uh, provides all of that in, in a singular object is, is pretty, is pretty neat. <laughs> you, came in just, you came in just under the wire, but I do appreciate that you, that you, that you presented your case clearly under fear of death and knowing that time, time waits for no man. Uh, all right. Um, you, by the way, you should have just left that whole physiological argument out. That's obviously <laughs> bull feces. The philosophical <laughs> argument was the more, the more compelling one, but let's move on. An adjunct explanation quickly, Sarah, my darling, uh, if the, if the judge rules in my favor, I would like to keep up to, but not more than X skulls of X number of animals in the home. What is the number X? Oh man, that's tough. Um, is this binding like indefinitely or, or just, you know, just a ballpark? Just tell me what X is, sir. Uh, <laughs> under 50, ultimately? <laughs> we live in a one-bedroom apartment. Well, if we're talking about, well, we're not going to hopefully live in a one-bedroom apartment forever. And if we're talking about moving forward, then I would think that, you know, and of course, I'm sure that's the pitfall of every collector is that you try and put a cap on it and that'll never happen, but... Yeah, a lot of skulls are very small, like a vulture. Yeah, there you go, or a gerbil, <laughs> just like a gerbil. <laughs> All right, I'll just write down fifty. <laughs> Part two: knowing knowing that time is limited for all of us on this earth, Sarah, my darling, I would like to keep some taxidermied animals, specifically a taxidermied X, Y, and Z. Up to a certain number, which is double Z, and here is why. Taking care to name which animals you want, how many you want, and why you want them. Go. Um, so nothing massive. So small, sort of like uh, what the gentleman was talking about, like those small woodland animals, like um, like uh, uh, raccoons, cats, ferrets, beavers, things like that. Um, Again, it's aesthetic, and again, it's also um, it's you know it's this. I think the taxidermy falls under the more the macabre banner, but there is also that philosophical component to it as well. And I would say no more than ten at the very most, imaginably. Sarah, is your husband legitimately got an obsession with the macabre, or is this just something he's taking on? It's legitimate. Okay. It's absolutely legitimate. All right. Finally, and this is for all the money. <laughs> Sarah, my darling, I would like to keep a human skull in our home 
And please give your explanation in the most, in, in the style of macabre. Go. <laughs> so I think that more than anything else, this, this, uh, the, the, I, I think that the philosophical component is actually strongest with this. Um, the macabre thing is obviously self-evident, but I really, really think that, uh, this is not like a silly affectation as much as I really find something very compelling um, about the idea of like something that once housed a human being being in my home. And I don't mean that in like a impress your friends kind of way. I mean that in a really, really seriously like thought provoking way. Um, and I do also, you know, I grew up reading Edgar Allan Poe and H.P. Lovecraft. So that's part of it too. All right. John Roderick, do you have any further questions? Um, do you intend to have kids? Yes. 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 Do you intend to bleach their skulls? <laughs> it's a natural follow-up. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I won't be in a position to. <laughs> wrong answer. I think the definition of wrong answer. Uh, do you have, what is your ambition in life besides working at the restaurant, Nick? Uh, I'm in school for economics. I would like to be an economist. I see. And Sarah, your ambition you mentioned before, but I forget. I am applying to PhD programs for political science. I want to be a professor. Okay. And finally, two more questions really quickly. Are either of you vegetarians? No. no. Are either of you cannibals? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I have everything I need to make my decision. I'm going to my, my uh, chamber and to ponder the skull of uh, my former friend, Yorick. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. Please rise as Judge Sean Hodgman exits the courtroom. Sarah, this has been quite the macabre discussion. How are you feeling? I'm freaked out. I'm definitely (laughs) freaked out. I think the, the, I would say the, the real apex of this, this has been the discussion of the heirloom skulls. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think I needed to know that. I don't, I don't think I ever thought in my life I would be having a real conversation about importing skulls from India and China. Did you know going into this, that the longtime mascot of MaximumFun.org is a taxidermied squirrel named Nutsy? Uh, Nick, <laughs> Nick, uh, had informed me of something of that nature. I, I, I felt it was possible that the cards were stacked against me. <laughs> But I, I would hope that my, uh, my, my, my innate fear of things that appear dead, that may or may not in fact be dead, would be enough to, to sway, sway the judge and jury here. I'll tell you what, Sarah, whatever positive uh, Nutsy brings to the table is balanced out by the negative of the nightmare Goebbels that we can't even we can't even bring ourselves to throw away because it's, it's too creepy to throw them in a trash can. Um, so they sit on a shelf that we hope is hidden from guests. Nick, how are you feeling right now? I, I mean, I, I don't want to take anything for granted, but I, I feel pretty good. Um, I mean, I, I, I had an inclination towards, you know, the, the, the judge's preferences, you know, with this stuff. Um, and, uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest, like regardless of how he rules, I, I don't want to be a jerk. So, I mean, I still, I still have to take into consideration like how much this will truly disturb Sarah, but you know, depending on the ruling, this could that having been said, <laughs> that the right direction. Skull wise. <laughs> Guest expert, John Roderick. I have a quick question for you. 
if you could have any taxidermied animal in your home, what taxidermied animal would you like to have? Platypus. That was fast. <laughs> That's a good On one. On deck. Was that taxidermied just... platypus? Picture it. Picture it. Yes. I am picturing it. It seems yes. pretty cool. Now, who does? What listener doesn't want a taxidermy platypus? <laughs> At me. I read this amazing book about taxidermied polar bears. Yes, I've seen a lot of them in my life, and it made me really want uh, a, a taxidermied polar bear. It's called Nanook, Flat Out and Bluesome. A Cultural Life of Polar Bears. And it features photographs of taxidermied polar bears in their, what you might call, natural environments yeah. throughout the world. And it's beautiful and remarkable. And I recommend it highly to people. But I also recommend to people that they buy me a taxidermied polar bear. <laughs> There's one in the lobby of the Hilton Hotel in Anchorage that is especially extraordinary. Oh, I bet it is. I bet it is. Okay, we got to get back to this case. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Skulls Unlimited has a platypus skeleton available <gasps> for $575, but what? It is it is a it is a replica. It is a replica. Oh, your search uh, your search continues. Your search I don't continues. want a replica platypus of skeleton. Course, of course you don't. We all knew that you wouldn't want a replica platypus skeleton, John Roderick. <laughs> So I apologize to get your hopes up and to dash them, but that is part of my job as the judge of this court. John, you had asked the, the, the defendant and complainant if they intended to have children. May I ask what was the intent behind your question and were you satisfied with the answer? Uh, I think I was very satisfied that they do intend to have children because I think that is, that is a, a wonderful thing for people to do, to have children. Uh, and it, and it occurred to me that the, the argument that he was making, uh, took on a, a, a new breadth if he had a if he had a child or multiple children and he used these skulls to instruct them in the fragility of life and in the uh, natural cycle and the, the order of things to have a to have a, a skull in the home seems to have had a profound effect on him as a child and it seemed like maybe something he was, he was not saying explicitly, but something that he wanted to cultivate in his own children, an understanding of, of, uh, of life's impermanence. I absolutely. That's very well said. I absolutely, excuse me, sir. You're standing judgment. Pardon me. Please be quiet. As you stand on the <laughs> I absolutely agree with Mr. Roderick. And indeed, as the human body may be pulled apart into pieces and sold for parts, so this case is also severable. I'm severing it into three parts in the question of keeping animal skulls and skeletons in the home. I find in favor of the defendant, Nick. I will permit it. However, 50 is too many for... <laughs> 50 is too many for the size of the apartment that you have currently. Indeed. Uh, what, what do you have, a one-bedroom apartment? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you, do you have a private space of your own? No. Of any, you have no private space of any kind. No, we have like sort of a common living room combo office area that we both you know use, and then a bedroom and the kitchen. I'm, I'm going to order that you divide your ambition by ten. You may keep <laughs> five, five skulls, 
small <laughs> woodland creatures in a place where Sarah does not have to see them all of the time. All right. Uh, and you must keep them well, and they must not be lying around or kept on the kitchen <laughs> shelves. As I have written before, the difference between a collector and a hoarder is a display case. So. <laughs> All right. Then you may, you may, of course, once uh, once you become uh, an, a famous economist and you have an office of your own outside of the home, you may keep as many animal skulls in there as you wish. All right. Uh, as economics is the dismal science, I encourage you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> as regards uh, to the issue of taxidermed animals, they do not speak to me personally. In the same way that I obviously am fascinated with the idea of keeping skulls. Um, but that said, I cannot convince someone to like what I don't like or to dislike what I do like or to like what I like. I can't convince anyone of anything, apparently. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> uh, I will, however, because it only reached a four on the skeeve out meter, I will allow it. But I am also dividing it by ten. Your ambition will be divided by ten to one uh well taxidermed uh, creature that is not larger than um, a, a, a table radio. Uh, let, <laughs> let Nutsy let Nutsy the squirrel be your guide. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, don't don't get a Wolverine. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and I and I advise you to take your time choosing because you will be allowed one and only one until you get your own crazy office, which you can fill with all, with all of your dark arts. As per the human uh, skull issue, I find in the favor of the complainant, Sarah, you are not permitted to get a human skull. <laughs> while, <so> <laughs> while I, while I, uh, I appreciate that all of the human skulls say that are sold through um, skulls unlimited, for example, are impeccably sourced. Uh, and uh, and responsibly uh, provenanced, uh, and that especially the research-grade ones are obviously from people who have chosen that fate for themselves and that no one is going to steal the head off of your mother's shoulders, Sarah. <laughs> and, that it is, and, and that even the heirloom skulls, while, uh, while they have a dark history behind them, those people are not coming back to life. Those skulls will not... <laughs> Will not be remade whole because uh, because of.